0: It's hugely impactful at any stage of your life um, and just putting yourself around the right people. You will elevate yourself to people doing things at a higher level than you um, subconsciously without even knowing it. And then you will also uh, just put on those blinders to the, to the BS and the riffraff because you'll see the form and the model of kind of who you want to be and how you want to be. Um, so that's why it's super important to make sure you keep your circle tight and surround yourself with the type of people you want to be like happen with Identity
1: Impact. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Identity Impact podcast. I'm your host, Tim Cortazzo, and with me as always, my good friend, Colin Jonov. Today, we have one of my good friends on, John Maleki. John, I kind of grew up with a little bit, uh, we played football together uh, here and there. We were in a couple uh, newspaper article type things together. Some uh, local like Fab subtle 22. Flex right there. Yeah, subtle flex. <laughs> I'll talk about myself <laughs> a little bit. I was a decent football player. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I kind of knew John just through like newspaper articles, knowing that he's one of the better players in our area. So indirectly grew up together, I'll say. Uh, became friends through mutual friends through college. Uh, he's Awesome, man. If you follow him on social media, he is a big time content creator. He does all kind of metal and woodworking stuff. Uh, Just incredible. And he's built this awesome brand. Uh, I've seen him doing stuff with Home Depot and uh, he's at NASCAR races doing different things. I mean, he's just wildly successful uh, in his realm. But uh, John was awesome. He talked about so many things regarding uh, his upbringing, his playing time at Pitt, uh, transitioning to the NFL, Uh, Tell some crazy stories about getting cut, uh, and kind of how that all worked out. But uh, really enjoyed having him on the show. I mean, he brought so much cool insight and gave so many uh, free lessons to our listeners that I think will be super beneficial, especially for the young kids that are just starting on their journey.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think what's really cool for me is, you know, I grew up. You know, John and I went to the same high school, so I grew up watching him and idolizing him and all of his successes and. Uh, his team successes before, you know, I had a chance to grow up and, and try and fill their shoes. But um, and, a, and a common theme in, in the podcast now, since Tim is, you know, old as dirt um, of people, I get to <laughs> watch people I watched growing up, I, I get to now revisit and uh, actually get to hear it firsthand now that their experiences, which, which is really cool for me. And it's going to be really good for for our listeners to tune in and, and hear some of what he's saying. I think it'll be a great message for a lot of listeners, and I hope it really sticks um, with the people who choose to to tune in and and follow what he has to say. It's so crazy, like it's such a weird connection having him on the podcast.
1: Because again, like you grew up at Franklin Regional, you grew up. You mentioned in the podcast how you were up on the hill playing football with your buddies while the varsity team was playing, so you knew who John Malecki was at a really young age. Uh, Me becoming friends with him in college, and then. Obviously, uh, you then go into Franklin Regional to, to play varsity football and then eventually you transferring to Pitt and John playing at Pitt and it's just so many like weird connections. And now I'm 33 years old sitting on a podcast with John and you and like right. bringing that all together. I mean, that's such a, a crazy connection, but it's it's cool. I mean, that's kind of the the football world is yeah. uh, it's this massive world, but it feels so small at times because you have just so many connections to to different people. And yeah, that's it. I'm I'm ready to get going. Uh, Here is our season two, one of our season two episodes with my good friend, John Malecki. Check it out. I want to take a quick break in the podcast to talk about our good friends, Jillian and Amber Tatino with J&A Custom Marketing. J&A Custom Marketing offers website design, website rebranding, website maintenance and optimization, lead generation services, consulting, and much, much more. Their sleek designs will set your business apart from competitors and their SEO and lead generation skills will send clients your way without months of waiting for your website to rank. Check out their website at jacustommarketing.com and make sure to follow them on Facebook and Instagram. Reach out today to start marketing your business your way. John, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. Welcome to the show.
0: Yeah, I really appreciate uh, you guys having me. I'm uh, glad to be able to catch up with you, dude. It's been a while. I know you got a ton going on. Uh, this is super exciting getting into content production. I love it. <laughs> well, John is John is like one of the kings of content production. We were talking off
1: air. That's, that's what we're trying to strive to be in the social media space and just the content creation space. Uh, he does awesome. And I can't wait to dive into kind of how you got to that point. You know, back from whenever it began. So uh, let's let's get into your background. We're talking about uh, you know, you're a professional football player. When did you start playing football? Did you start at a really young age? Like, how did you kind of get into the whole sports realm?
0: Oh, uh, um, well, like yourself, um, I'm a, I'm a Western Pennsylvania kid. Um, so you pretty much only know sports uh, if you grow up around here. It's it's a huge part of our lives. Um, and I, you know, we were, we're at a, we're a weird age, you know, being in our early mid thirties, like we didn't have cell phones and video games were like a new thing. So we were outside of time. Um, and and I know for myself, we were just, you know, playing whatever games we were constantly um, doing things outdoors and playing backyard, you know, rundown and catch and football and whatever was always part of that. So I loved uh, being outside, I loved playing sports. My mom uh, played softball in high school. My dad played sports until he had to get a job in junior high. But you know, they were something that was uh, decently, I, mean, I guess you could say, a big part of our family. Um, like at least watching it on TV and stuff growing up. I got into playing, I say, after begging for years in like fifth or fifth or fifth grade, I want to say. Um, so I was a little later than like, I think yourself and a bunch of like the dudes I grew up with, they all got started in midgets at like, you know, four, (laughs) right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't get, which I I will not
1: do that with my kids, by the way, I've mentioned that multiple podcasts they are going to play like golf and everything else until they get older and then they'll figure it out.
0: I'll be, uh, I'm an advocate of, you know, when they start asking to play, uh, Give them give them a shot. I'm not gonna. I'm I'm with you there. I'm not gonna force my kids to do anything until yeah. Until they really want to. I think you get a better end result there, and we can go For and talk sure. about that later. But um, yeah. So I got started playing um decently young, uh, like I said, and then just really like fell in love with football. I actually I actually played baseball as well, and was and I and I love that. Um, a lot of the guys that I started playing with then are still like super close to me now, and I know you you're in the same boat. Um, and from there I, I i kind of found a knack for really just loving to hit people uh <laughs> <laughs> i mean i was i wasn't a huge kid uh, like physically like i wasn't large i i wasn't large my entire like a big guy my entire career bigger but not like some of the goliaths that are out there playing now um so i was actually a, like a a running back fullback um middle linebacker safety in midgets and stuff so i, I, was, <laughs> I was on the the skinnier end of 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 position wise, what we were playing. And then I get in the middle school and stuff, um, started to grow a little bit and and playing, hopped on offense and defensive line, really found a knack for, for being um, a lineman and uh, a defensive lineman specifically in in middle school and high school and stuff. And then I was able to fortunately take my, take my talents to the university of Pittsburgh uh, where I was a a four-year letterman. I was a captain. I was, uh, you know, first team, all big East, uh, first team, all academic and stuff like that. I really gave a shit. Like I, 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 I I cared a lot. Yeah. Right. Um, And I was one of the, like, I was one of those college guys that, you know, didn't, uh, didn't do anything fun on the weekdays. I I had a, I really cared. I got a business degree. I went to class and stuff and I put the time in. I was, I was never late for anything. I was, I was like, you know, coach's favorite. And I believe if you're going to be successful in college, you should try to get on that favorite list. Uh, that's just me. Um, yeah, no why, doubt. Why would you want to be on the other side of it? <laughs> um, <laughs> and so that was kind of the route I took. And then I was, I got picked up as a, an undrafted free agent um, on draft day in 2010 to the Tennessee Titans. And we can go into that journey uh, if you'd like, but that's kind of the backstory of me getting into football and where it went from there. Did you know, like whenever you
1: start, like whenever you started playing, you started, you know, obviously you had a ton of success in high school. You guys were state champs. I remember was, your goal, like you wanted to play Division One football, was that kind of something that just happened? Or was that like in in your mind, like I'm going to go get a scholarship to
0: play in college? Yeah, that was, uh no, that was it. That was like all I cared about. Um, that and as most of us, you know, did girls. Uh, so like <laughs> I <laughs> wanted to, um, I, I wanted to play football from like the moment there was one dude, uh, his name was Moose. We were growing up. He played at uh, Notre Dame and like all of Murraysville and Franklin idolized this dude. Um, and he was like the only player until this other dude named BJ Evangelista who went and played at Penn State. Only two dudes to go play Division One football, um, and so all of us were chasing that. You know, we all wanted to be like that guy. We were, uh, if, if you uh, at Franklin and PT had something similar, but at Franklin they uh, see. Uh, Colin's pretty young so he may have may have <laughs> experienced this but the hillside on the side of the stadium when you came into the right was like where all the little kids were playing in the mud um, yep. when I was growing up and so we'd be over there there was a concession stand I'm not sure if it's still there and you'd be behind it and, and that's where you're like you're seeing footballs getting tossed around and stuff And I just grew up across the street from the school listening to it going to games wanting to be like one of those guys so going to play division one was like was it for me it's like it's all i can. i remember writing it down in like third no like, what was it like the yeah if i started playing like fifth grade it would be like fifth or sixth grade and then they buried it somewhere on campus in a capsule <laughs> playing, yeah playing the nfl so like yeah. it, it was my dream that's so i got to awesome. i,
2: I got to chime in so during your games john i was the little kid on the hills throwing the footballs yeah, right yeah, yeah, yeah. so like how you and actually uh, BJ Evangelista, he ended up coaching me when I was in, in middle school. And for our listeners, John and I went to the, the same high school, grew up in the same area. Um, but so like how you looked at Moose and him, that's how our class looked at you guys. Right. So we were at the state championship game. You know, I remember when you guys came through our schools and shook everybody's hands. Right. So yeah. Similar, exact same thing you're talking about. It's You know, that's what I kind of went through. Obviously, I didn't have a, a successful career as you, but I will say, with Coach Bada, both saying we had the same high school football coach. My class has the second most wins in a three-year stretch, next to your class. So, got got to flex a little just bit. Throwing, there. That there. Yeah, just yeah. throwing that out there, yeah, just throwing that out there. So we're not the best, but I'll, I'll take second best over that yeah. tenure.
0: But. <laughs> But I mean, it, it, as you guys can kind of all see, like the, growing up in the area, we grow up, in. it's a big part of your life. Um, and it's a big if you want it to be. Uh, I don't think yeah. any of us were forced to play. I know I wasn't. Um, and but it, it's 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 fun. It, it's in, cool. It's enjoyable. And it what like I, I, think I was saying, Tim, it was like the pinnacle dream for a lot of guys. Um, and and I knew I had, you know, an opportunity to do something special when I was when I was you know, young you know just by what coaches were telling me and and kind of like seeing my performance on the field and stuff there so yeah yeah going to play d1 was it was it like I was like I'm going I'm going to college I'm playing football like that's there's no question because we couldn't afford it if I didn't did you
2: consider any other school other than Pitt
0: um interestingly enough um so (laughs) kind of a couple funny stories that play into it I, I didn't I, I'm a smaller guy, and, and weirdly, Franklin doesn't get a ton of, of publicity in the papers or in the news and media and stuff. And this is before social and stuff existed. Um, so, like, you know, we were Tim and I are old farts. Uh, we would, we were reading <laughs> newspapers and trying to watch like the Fed Co. zone up the- VHS, <laughs> VHS highlight things. VHS highlight times, right? There's no <laughs> apps or nothing. Um, but because of that, you didn't really know that you were good because coaches aren't going to just blow smoke, right? They're going to keep you humble. And then on top of it, um, the, the world wasn't as open for communication uh, at the time. So my junior year um, I had a good season. We went, <clears throat> we went to the playoffs for the first time in, in a while. Um, and uh, I got awarded a bunch of accolades after the season and like, didn't see any of them coming. I won uh, some, some, some newspaper named me defensive player of the year. And I remember getting it, and my, and Bada or some, it was Bada or, or the defensive coordinator at the time um, was was just like, yeah, you know, this is just the beginning for you. And I was like, huh? And <laughs> it, it just wasn't registering for me. And um, I guess the, like the university of Buffalo gate told him they're like, we're going to, he Bada told them, he's like, uh, you need to offer this kid now because they're going to come in quick. And uh, this was like immediately after my junior year, like the day after, uh, and uh they said something, you know, to him, he called my dad and my dad was like, it's too damn cold in Buffalo. Like we're not going to Buffalo at the awards <laughs> banquet when he, when he told, when he told us about it. Um, and from there, he literally called Pitt. He was like, I got a kid. You're going to want to check him out. He called uh, his name's Bob Junko. He just retired. Dude's an animal, um, yeah. but like great human, really well-known in Pittsburgh. Um, and Junko was like, all right, Greg, uh, we're going to offer him literally without ever seeing me play <laughs> and like, uh, bring him down to the game tomorrow against UConn pit basketball was like two in the country then. So my dad and I getting to go down to a first game at the Pete and that, that was an awesome experience. I get down there and this is like, so it's after junior year. And then for those of you that aren't familiar with high school football recruiting at the time, probably still similar, you get right into like blue chip recruiting, right? So the season ends, Awards get handed out to everyone. And then uh there's like blue chip events at schools in January, February. They start inviting kids down and stuff. So I get invited to Pitts like Blue Chip Day. I get invited to Penn State's blue chip day. I get invited to um weirdly Tennessee's um blue chip day. So it pits Pitts was first, then Tennessee, then then Penn State, or excuse me, it was Tennessee, then Pitt, then Penn State. I go down to Tennessee with uh with a quarterback we played with in high school, um, Brad Phillips. He ended up starting safety at Northwestern for four years. He was a he was quite a stud. We actually had four dudes go play at big schools, so we were a pretty good team. Um, he, <laughs> we come back and he didn't get invited to Pitts Blue Chip Day. We go to Pitts though, and my dad literally stands up in the meeting and is like, Are you gonna offer my son now? Because like oh we're fighting golden <laughs> buffalo, and what's going mean, they were, you know, junk was like, you know, it's our Mr. lucky I'll talk to you after. So I went in. Pitt Pitt offered me um, verbally, they're like, you'll have the, you know, piece of paper. Um, This was Saturday on Monday. So uh, that ended up coming like Tuesday or something like that. I commit Thursday, (laughs) thinking like this is a fluke. Right. And, uh, and then I canceled the trip to Penn State. Um, So I was like, I was once that second or third commit uh, of that, of his first, you know, full season class. Um, So Taking visits and looking at other schools, my mom was bawling her eyes out when we took that trip to Tennessee. So, like that was out of the question. If you've got an Italian mother, you don't <laughs> have the question um, any any of her emotions, nor do you want that wrath. But um, <laughs> it's uh, it was it was very very interesting and then fast. And then after going through, you know, more and more schools started to pour in. Michigan, Michigan State, Iowa, big Big Ten schools love Franklin, uh, so they started to pour in. The Big East was where the conference I ended up playing in at the time. Um, and then, you know, a, a ton of schools from, I think all the way to like Oklahoma um, offers and stuff started coming in to, to my coach. So like none of them ever came to me. And then there was right. like, cause it, you couldn't get a communication with an 18 year, 16, 17 year old kid at the time. Like people don't realize that uh, back when we were in high school, Tim, so they would like reach out to the coaches and, uh, and then they would be bringing offers to us or they'd send it to the school and stuff. Uh, so that I thought that was funny after I was all committed and everything was said and done he was like yeah you actually had a bunch of more offers come in and i was like oh that's yeah. crazy that's yeah, did, for, yeah did bada keep that.
2: those from you sorry did he keep those offers from you or did he tell you about them
0: he uh he i mean i committed to pit so fast he kept them from me but I, I don't think it was him i think it was like the staff um because okay. you know, they were coming to we had um a couple coaches that i'm still pretty tight with i talked to um and then, like, as you go down through your career, like, when I got to play a long time, after a decently long time, Um, they start telling you stuff that, like, yeah, know, yes. an offer from Oklahoma came in at some point in Iowa, and I'm just like, those are some pretty solid schools, man. Like, you, know, <laughs> you probably didn't need that boost in high school, but, like, you know.
2: Yeah. Well, the reason I ask is, obviously, my offers were FCS, much smaller, mm-hmm. but similar concepts. I committed to Bucknell before, before – or I think – after week one of my senior year, um, they offered me in the summer. And then after I had signed on signing day, Bada decides to tell me I had like six more FCS offers that came yeah. in and just didn't tell me. I was like, well, yeah. I was like, I, it wouldn't have changed. I was like, but it would have been nice to know.
0: Yeah. yeah. mine was uh, kind just, of uh, kind figured of ask. I just didn't really, I mean, I didn't really care. He, he knew, he knew Pitt would be the best fit for me. The one thing about me in high school was I really wanted to play defense in college. So I had offers. I mean, everyone wanted me to play both. Like it was one or the other, like Penn State wanted me to play offense. They're like, you know, you'll come in, you'll play next to AQ Shipley, who's a legend. Um, and I was like, nah, really <laughs> right? like I want to play offense. right? I want to play defense. Uh, and I was like nationally ranked defensively. And I, I was, I was good on that side of the ball. There was a dude out of central PA, Jared Odrick, who was a stud too. So he went to Penn state. I went to Pitt. We were the top two defensive players in the state that year. Um, he, he actually had a phenomenal career at Penn State and was a first round draft. He was a monster of a human, like made me look like a, like a child. But I remember um, how big that dude was. That, that uh, kid was, was huge. huge. I remember him. Yeah. He, we played in the Big 33. I tore my labor my senior year, too. So, like, I had one arm through the state to like the playoff run. I got surgery three days after uh, we finished. And then um, <clears throat> I recovered. Two, I was signed. They signed me off two days before the Big 33. So then I go up there and I tear it again. Um, in practice, so I actually opted out of the game. Dorn and I both opted out of the game, both getting hurt. Um, but he uh, it was but it was against him. I was playing offense in the game, <laughs> funny Jeez. enough. And then yeah. we didn't play Penn State when I was at Pitt so I never got to play him. Uh, but yeah, like high school recruiting, like thinking back, it was just wild, man. And then you think about it now. I had the I had one of the coaches from NA in the business a couple days ago, and we were just chatting, he's like. You know they got this app Huddle, or and you can literally watch plays all day. My buddy's the strength coach at Seneca Valley. He's like, he's like, yeah, I'm sending kid plays. I'm sending kids breakdowns of fronts for defense at like 10 p.m. on a on a on a Thursday night while I'm watching and catching up on film, so they can watch it in the morning. And I was like, what? College <laughs> or the it NFL? Blows my
1: mind. Yeah, Didn't it blows kid, my yeah. mind.
0: Yeah. Oh, nuts. So it's it's yeah, it's a totally different thing. But those are the couple schools that I was like interested in um it was, it was joe paul was alive then and it was before all the scandals and everything so penn state was still all glitz and glam franklin regional is a huge penn state school like everyone loves penn state at franklin so everyone was bummed when i committed to pit all the dads all the teachers there's a couple <laughs> people sprinkled in there um but they were like they were like we thought you were shooing going to penn state um and and then uh, funny enough, Dorn and I go through all the uh, – senior year, we won, We both won a bunch of awards, and we're sitting at awards banquets getting trash-talked by um, Penn State people for not <laughs> committing too early because we both committed like bang-bang um, that class did, and, and it was it was pretty wild and stuff. But I don't regret any of it. I, I love my experience at Pitt. Wouldn't trade I for think- it.
1: I think one of the lessons there is you knew that you wanted to go to Pitt. Obviously, your dad stood up and, and asked right away, hey, you offer my kid. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah. you you knew that was the spot and you knew that's where you wanted to be. That was your best fit. Your coaches knew that for you. So for you to just stay loyal to that commitment and know, you know, what's gonna be a best fit for you for the next four years, I think there's there's so many good lessons in there. Some of these kids, and I don't I don't want to bash what these kids do on social media nowadays, but posting my thankful for my 27th offer from Tennessee. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's like, that's all cool. It's cool to show everyone like, Hey, I'm a really good player. It's cool to show, you know, how teams are interested in you. But at the end of the day, man, it it comes down to once you pick your school and once you sign, everyone kind of forgets about you at the high school level. Now it turns into like, is this kid going to be a player or is he going to be a bust where he goes? So at the end of the day, it, it comes down to just picking the place that is your best fit for your family, for yourself and and that's it. Like simple as that. So kudos yeah. to you for for understanding that and going with it. Now and I'll let's say talk this about
0: yeah, I ahead. loved I loved pit growing up. Like we were going to the backyard brawl, right? I remember watching Michael Vick at Virginia Tech play pit at Heinz Field. Like we were fans of Pitt and Pitt yeah. football and basketball growing up. My dad loved basketball. Uh, and there's no you know, team Pittsburgh. So, uh, pits, the pits, the basketball team, and when they're good, like the team, the city's buzzing. Yeah. Um, and so I was a pit fan, wasn't really a Penn state fan. And it was more or less one or the other for me. Like I knew I didn't really want to go anywhere else. I, I still tell salty. I got a lot of buddies who went to West Virginia. We do accumulated yeah. him. And like, they get, they, they still don't believe that like I turned down a free education, go to like their dream school. Right. And i, <laughs> and I say that to my wife who went to Penn state too. It's like, uh, but, but for me, Pitt, yeah, you're right. Pitt had a different feel. We went down there and I will say this, the head coach brings that vibe, right? Yeah. Like I really connected with coach wants he's a Yinzer like me. He's a Pittsburgher. He grew up in the same area I knew. Right. And, and you just have a connection uh, with your recruiting coordinator. I didn't really have that with Tom Bradley, not to say he's not a great, you know, at what he does, but it just, I connected with Wonstadt and and rest in peace, Curtis Bray, who was recruited Meyer. And I think Tim, you knew Curtis too a little bit. Yeah, he recruited um, me also, yeah. And like, you know, you have that connection and I was fortunate enough and a lot of things that it's different now, but back then it was like, if you were a tweener guy, that dude could go to bat for you Um, when it comes down to, availability of scholarship availability towards you know once they start filling up slots um if you're if you're in and, and for me i felt I, I wasn't a tweener guy but i felt like i was you know and so i loved curtis i loved uh once i loved junk the guys that were involved with me um and that played, weighed heavily on my decision quickly to commit to pit um and then my parents also loved it too so yeah Yeah. i think it's important for young people if there's any young people listening that are like trying to figure things out like your your gut will will give you a lot of information in that regard um and it's also important to make sure you fit into like a a a system uh not so much on the field but off the field with the people and personnel that are involved with the school you're going to um because there's so much more that comes after football uh which i would think is super interesting like i said i was talking to a buddy who's a coach now and like back back then, the most important thing in my life, like nothing yeah. else literally mattered. And now that I'm like 34, turning 35, it's just such, it was such a small window of things. Yeah. It was like, you know, high school's four years, but when football was great, it was like two, three years of high school. And it's so small and it's only going to get, keep getting smaller over time. And you feel like it's this, like, you know, it is a massive decision, but you're going to be, there's so much more is going to come from what you do there and the work you put in there than, you know, that making it, thinking that you're humbled for uh, your 28th offer or something from a school, you have no chance. Like you don't need to, you don't need to be fake. Just like follow your gut.
1: Right. What, what do you think going back to, to what you said there, you know, you got the rest of your life for all these different things. You have this really small window. I try to tell kids all the time and and the same older people told me like, Hey, this goes fast. You have a small window, you know, you got the rest of your life, but I, I didn't really pay attention to that. It was like, I was this invincible Division yeah. one football player, no one could touch me, I'm, I'm going to play in the NFL, football is what I do. Why? Why do you think that is? Like, why do we and I don't I'm not going to classify everyone as because other people probably have their heads on, you know, uh, a little straighter than we all do. But why is why do we put the blinders on and and not listen to those things? And then all of a sudden, it's too late. And you're like, shit, I should probably listened to all that. Why do you think that um, is?
0: You know, I think there's a, it's a fine line, but putting on blinders and using them constructively and then just becoming completely blind. Um, And so for me, there was like, uh, you know, I had a great supporting cast with the coaches at my high school, the teachers, my parents, you know, and and whatnot. Um, And you got, before social media became what it is now, you only saw the great or the terrible that was it. You didn't get to see all this in between crap where there's kids playing at D2 schools that are like doing a day in the life, Instagram and TikToks, right? Like that stuff didn't exist. And no one gave a shit, like no one cared either, but now it's a thing. So it's like, okay, um, like gross, get some humility, bro. And, and just go do what you're supposed to do on the field. Like that's where my head goes back to. And that's because when we were growing up, they only talked about you if you were doing something great or if you were getting in trouble. And so for a lot of us, it was like, keep your head out of, it, like, keep your head out of it, stay out of trouble. And just try to be the, the absolute best that you can. And that, that means like putting on those blinders and blocking out a lot of the riff raff. Right. Um, the, uh, the, I'll say this, Franklin doesn't do, it might be changing, but like a great job of celebrating athletes um, so we didn't have a ton of ego issues at our school, at least. Uh, teachers didn't care that I was good. Uh, you know, parents didn't care. Girls didn't care. Uh, they were more, you know, they, they put more emphasis into like, you know, the band going to the Macy's Day Parade at Franklin. So uh, with that kind of stuff, I didn't have to like, I didn't have distractions around me that were like going to drag me in the wrong direction. So I got really lucky with it. But I only cared about <clears throat> being like a role model, like I was, or like I had, excuse me, like with those guys, Moose and BJ, whom they were, could have been terrible humans when they went to college. Like I don't know them personally, but all I heard about was how good they were when they were at Franklin. And then the roadmap that they left for guys like me to try to get there. Um, So going down that path, when I got to college, I really looked up to Scott McKillop, who's a great friend of mine now. And he was a stud at Kiske, got to Pitt, was in the transition era with walt harris and really proved himself through a certain format business school we lived in the same place we lived together um he was you know uh, like i said a mentor and a friend to me um kind of taking and i just followed kind of his path and it was working for him i was like i why wouldn't i i relate to this guy we're, we're literally you know 15 grew up 15 minutes apart um and i kind of got really lucky with that then him and i both took our you know, we went to the NFL and we trained together in the off seasons and like both went through a bunch of struggles there and stuff too. Um, so putting on the blinders was more like keeping out the BS, knowing that like you have a short window, you have to capitalize on the opportunity in front of you right now. Um, when a lot of guys put on blinders and just say, I'm untouchable. Um, yeah. I think that's a terrible way to look at it. And it comes from those like exterior influences, right? If you have friends and you have people around you that are telling you you're the best thing ever, um you have no option but to believe it. We're so immature in our teens, you know. You're going to believe what you're told, um, and that's tough. You don't get to choose your environment, and that's why we see so many kids come from, you know, crappy environments, and they really don't pan out to what they could be or their potential. You're hoping when they get to school that they're, you know, shown a better way. Um, yeah. And I was really lucky, but that's kind of that's what I had. Um, I can only speak to what I know and what I've done, and I know a lot of guys that threw away a lot of opportunity because they couldn't get out of you know, their back, you know, back bringing their, up, their upbringing, are their, where they're from, they couldn't get out of their own way Um, when it came to going to class and, you know, just being on time and not, not, you know, doing all the stupid stuff that can take those opportunities away from you. Um, And I think that that goes back to, you know, the culture you have at home, the culture you have in, at in high school with the the, the coaches and stuff that you got. And then I also, you know, found an attraction to that same thing at Pitt. Right. Yeah. Speaking of, think- no, Good go ahead, ahead, Colin. I
2: was just uh, going to say, so like being, being a younger guy, right? Like, even though you guys are not that much older than me, we're within 10 years of each other, but
0: yeah, we're old farts. I feel, <laughs> I feel a lot older than you.
2: <laughs> We, so like, I grew up a little bit with that social media, right? And Franklin, yeah. by the way, John has changed a lot since you grew up with oh, good. not celebrating athletes. So I would say it's actually gone in a, in a bad direction, not to shame Franklin, but I'm going to get back to the point, but Going back to what you said about having a mentor, right? And having someone in a path to follow that is deemed like correct and successful is more important now than ever because there are so many distractions. It's so hard to put on the correct blinders, like you said. And I do, I like to reference my younger brother a lot on here because I'm trying really hard to mentor him. And it's really, really hard because even in our uh, separation, it's actually probably similar. Uh, age gap between you guys and me with me and him it's really hard because he's going through things that i didn't even experience right Mm. so i have to put myself in his shoes and be like all right you have to learn how to ignore xyz and learn to focus on abc right whatever the scenario is um but you know there's just so many things that i don't even think about that the way he speaks is just moronic right like i'm like what is this like what are we looking at right now and tim alluded to like the 27th offer thing um but it's just you have to find someone who you trust who you care about who knows that they care about or you know that they care about you and go under their wing and learn from them because if not you're going to get lost in all this nonsense and you're really not going to produce it
0: in your full capacity like
2: you alluded to earlier
0: yeah yeah and I got lucky in high school too. I, I had a you know my like my like best friend growing up, Aaron Levine is my age. He went, he ended up he was a linebacker at Cornell, which was like a phenomenal school um, to get into. His brother Lou was two years older than us. So when we Franklin, um, uh, for those listening, um, you don't get an opportunity to play on varsity as a freshman. Like there's a freshman team and then sophomore, junior, senior. Um, and so when I was a sophomore, Lou was a senior um and him and another great dude andy fleming and then josh kurtz those three guys were um they had some d1 looks like josh and lou had d1 looks Andy was pretty small um but they all like really really cared uh about everything uh going on on the field uh josh will say off the field he he he's a you know dear friend to me now but he let a lot of things slip and it affected him when he got to college lou and andy though they 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 took everything to the next level um so they were linemen i just followed their path i got really lucky and fortunate i walked into a situation where they were like you are coming under our wing and i that's what i did then i got to pit and there was some you know the McKillop brothers there was a couple the older guys were like hmm this kid works hard he's not an idiot uh we're going to take him under our wing so then i was like "Ooh, elevated up to that level um once i got there that's where i really that's one of the major differences to what to what you're talking about there colin in college to the nfl because the NFL is a, like, it's a business, right? So for an older person to take a younger person under their wing is a business move. It's, it's not as much, it's, it's just a very different dynamic. Um, and it's one of the only reasons I stuck around with the Steelers um, was because that unit, the Max Starks, Willie Colon, Marquise Pouncey, Dave DeCastro, Ramon Foster, um, all of Doug Ligurski, all of us together cared about one another and they never looked at me once as the tweener guy, the practice squad guy, the backup guy, up and down. We all treated one another with mutual respect, but they also took me under their wing and were like, "This kid, this kid shuts up. He puts in the work. He literally he cares. Uh, he wants to win, regardless of what tier of player I was on." So, but when I was with the Titans, the Browns, the Bucks, the the Wash, the Reds, none of those. It was just every man for himself out there on the field and every one of those teams was trash back then so yeah I think that that's a you know you can really see that on veteran teams and so when you know uh you guys probably know who Kelvin, Kelvin Beacham is he played for the Steelers for a while I think he's still with the Cardinals he's put together a phenomenal career he's a smaller tackle he's got a lot of athleticism um great nice dude when he came to the Steelers him and I were like In meetings together we were going through stuff we were on the field getting extra working together i was teaching him to snap like literally i was teaching him to take my job because i cared more about winning than i cared about my own personal stuff and that's just how i was wired at that point um and and i think that that's a huge difference between nfl and college teams uh in college you can go find it because there's so many guys the nfl there's it's a revolving door there's only like you know the O line room is the biggest room and there's only 12 guys in it um so you have that, you know, that connection there, <clears throat> but it's business. Um, so it's, it's even, even more different. You see the great teams now in the league, they're like, these guys have been together for so long. And you can think about that on a surface level and be like, that's just broadcasting. But it, I think that stuff truly does matter. Um, and finding proper mentorship in, in sports, I mean, and then even we can go into professional life after is like, it's hugely impactful at any stage of your life. Um, and just putting yourself around the right people, you will elevate yourself to people doing things at a higher level than you, um, subconsciously without even knowing it. And then you will also uh, just put on those blinders to the to the BS and the riffraff because you'll see the form and the model of kind of who you want to be and how you want to be. Um, so that's why it's super important to make sure you keep your circle tight and surround yourself with the type of people you want to be like. That's
1: such a. I mean, all everything we're talking right now kind of goes back to the culture, right? And And so many people speak highly and we'll go back to to your days at Pitt. So many people speak highly of Dave Wanstead and the teams during those times. You guys were very successful. There was a couple seasons, you know, you couldn't get over the hump or or whatever that may have been. But, um, you know, not just for Pitt standards, but for for college football standards, Pitt was a very good team while you were there. So talk a little bit about uh, Coach Wani you know what so many people just speak so highly of him so many people were so upset whenever he got fired and uh, yeah. some people some uh, guys still think he should be the head coach today yeah. but uh talk about him and the culture that he created at Pitt to kind of get all these stars because he was recruiting like Pittsburgh if, if you played in Pittsburgh you were going to Pitt like he was getting everywhere yeah. so talk about uh coach Wani and and uh you know his his style whenever you were there
0: yeah, he. Um, I think the most impactful part of Wonstat of was um, his ability to connect with his athletes because he'd been through it. He was, I mean, he's, he's from Baldwin, and then he went and played a pit. Like, you can't, I don't care who you are, or where you're coaching, like, you can't replicate your past um, and then become relatable like he could to Western kids playing in Western Pennsylvania. Um, so <clears throat> there's a huge talent pool in the area for great football. Um, Everyone knows that, you know, and and Wani knew that he knew coming home, he'd be able to walk into someone's house, talk about, you know, some cousin that's a manager at a restaurant that the parents frequent kind of thing. um, Right. Or like find relatability to every single person he was recruiting in the area. Uh, And it it wasn't because he was actually involved. He actually cared. Um, So for me, that's where I really found that like deep rooted connection on the flip side, when it came to culture. He was like a no BS kind of coach. He, he would literally come into a team meeting and like Juan loves a cigar and he loves to have a drink. He knows that you're an idiot in college and you're probably doing that. He wasn't gonna sit here and, and punish you for being a college student. He was gonna put you in the best position though to uh, perform on and off the field. If you gave him great effort and you gave him great attitude, he'd give that right back. And I think that, that like that's the way the real world is you're not coddled in the real world. Like I run a business, I have employees now, like there's no coddling. If I lose a client or a customer or sponsor or whatever, like no one's here to like pat my back and tell me it's going to be okay. And Wani, that's exactly how he was in in the locker room and with his players. Like you could be LaShawn McCoy, but if you screw up, he is on your ass. Like that's how (laughs) it was. And, and we, Pitt had, you know, some incredible talent come through when Wani was there for his, uh, I think it was six years uh, with first round draft picks and, and, you know, monumental national and NFL type players. Um, and so, but he treated everyone like, you know, we have a standard here. And if you guys want to win, everyone's got to be on board kind of thing. Um, and so the culture he created, it was like, we really did care about one another. Like uh, it's, it's funny. We go to alumni events now and like the wants that guys are just ridiculously tight. and and, and it's just like a weird camaraderie between us and then the rest of the guys that were you know like the Walt Harris era Walt's still around and he's he's great uh Wani just brought a different element to it so there was just like a different you know we really bought into that guy and we cared and loved loved him on a level that um I don't know if it's common in college football uh other places I only know what I know right um but like he he kind of had it it was like a admirable dad who like you didn't cross but you wanted to please kind of thing um but there was there was that disconnect of like he was your dad it was like he was always on that pedestal um and you just wanted to make him proud and make him happy um but not out of fear and i think a lot of uh, excuse me a lot of college coaches put that premise of fear inside their players uh whether that's punishment or revoking a scholarship or playing time or whatever that might be once out never pressed or came from a place of fear um, and I think that's why, you know, the players that played for him loved him. That's
2: awesome. So I guess to follow up that, because that was a, an awesome testament to to Wanstad, how did he prepare you to take that next step after college, to prepare for the NFL and then to prepare for life after?
0: Yeah, so Wanstad was a, uh, a big prop- – because he coached in the NFL and he was a huge proponent of like, look, I don't care how good you think you are, <laughs> of you are going to make it in the league. So you better get your shit together, get the class. He's like, you think that you're the next, you know, Larry Fitzgerald. You're not even close. You're not even on the same playing field. Like he kept things like very real in that regard. And he was like, if you're not going to go to class, you're not going to get on the field. And I don't care who you are because one, his job doesn't allow him to put you on the field, but he also made it like motivationally, like, look, you're one injury or one thing that you can't control away from never playing football again. And the whole staff kind of had that breath to them, too. So when it came from Wani, you know, it was gospel. But as it came down the tears with his with his staff, um, they also made sure that they harped on how important it was to get your butt to class, to make sure that your grades were up so that you could play right um understanding that like you could have the greatest game of your life and then break your leg in the next game on some fluke thing and never play again um and i think that that common message of like you can't just put all your eggs in this basket um held true for a lot of the players that came through uh you know there's there's still some that like (laughs) thought they could do their own thing uh not they were better than the system that are like now looking back on it with probably with some regret um but he was you know, huge advocate for he would he would celebrate those that did it the right way, uh, and and he would basically say he's like, look, this is the this is the way I want you guys to approach being a student athlete here. I want you know look at and he'd point out guys like Scott McKellar, people like Scott's an All American. Scott graduated in four years. Scott's getting his MBA. Scott's never late for anything. You know, I mean, he'd make sure he celebrated the ones that were doing it right, right. And, and and um that for me was motivation to be like that. Um, and, and I think it's super funny. Like I was a captain my senior year and captains are voted on at Pitt by the um, players, uh, at least for one set. So we had six captains and he never told us who, but um, he was like, one of you was my choice. The other five, you know, were the, where one of you was like on the cusp and or something like that. He, he said, and I mean, I to this day believe it was me because I was <laughs> ruthless with my teammates, right? Like I was that dude that was in your face. I was in Shady's bedroom, dragging him out of bed to get him to practice. I was a prick if you were late. I was a prick if you weren't going to class. If I cared more than you, you knew it because I didn't know anything better. Like now I look back on it and I was like, you know, I was probably a little bit of an asshole, but um, I got, I have very close friends now that are, that say to me, they're like, you were such a dick in college that like, I go to class just so you wouldn't jump me. Right. But like, I'd get on you if you were in the line room and you weren't doing your shit like I was in your face because it, it was the only thing that I could control. And I'm like, look, guys, you were going to screw up my one chance to do this, like my one chance at a championship, my one chance to bring pride and all this stuff that we talk about here at Pitt to the university. And you're going to screw it up because you can't get your ass out of bed. Like, you're kidding me. Like, I'll fight you. Like, and there was a lot of guys that we kind of got that ethos. And I think and, I, and I'll attest a bunch of the success we had. Um, my, my junior, senior year, you know, 19 wins in, uh, in those two years to that. Um, Pitt hasn't had a team with that many wins since last year when they won uh, the ACC. So it's like, you know, there's got to be something to, to play to that to that notion. Um, but it's, uh, it's always interesting looking back on that, like, you know, uh, the way things were done um, and then seeing how you can potentially implement it into your life now. You know, with whether it's uh, you know, being disciplined, being diligent, understanding that it's not just one singular focus at all times. It's an your life is an all-encompassing thing, um, especially when it comes to preparing yourself for the workforce, preparing yourself to be on teams and and work in the real world, and parent, and be a husband, and all that kind of stuff too. Do you think that came? Do you think you were kind of just born
1: with that ability to? Because. Cause there are different types of leaders. Like I, there are leaders that just do things and people watch and, and they follow just because of the respect for it. Um, there's mm-hmm. leaders who, who are more motivational and talk uh and, mm-hmm. and have a way with words and can kind of grab a room's attention. There's leaders that need to punch people in the face how you mentioned. um I, I think all teams need someone like that yeah. to hold each other accountable and and it only works if you're doing the right things as well. Like you can't be yeah. a dickhead and then go out and you know Get and mess around, right? Exactly. So you kind of have to follow with with uh, follow up with holding other people accountable. But do you think you were kind of just born with that? Is that something uh, your parents instilled it
0: in you, or where yeah. do you think that comes from? I, yeah, I'll definitely say for me. Um, you know, my my dad was a custodian. He worked construction before he did that. And my mom's a hairdresser, so we're a pretty, uh, you know, blue collar family um, and and hardworking, like self motivated individuals. Um, and f- so all I knew was, you know, between them and then my grand my grandfather worked construction. My uncle's a, a union sheet metal worker. Like those are the kind of people in my life. Um, and there's like a through line of just hard work. Uh, that goes into it, and I knew that like I could put in, I could only control what I can control, which is my effort, my attitude, right? And so, I could do those things, but if I want others to follow me, um, I have to do them at such a high level that um, they're going to have to be chasing me if I want to ever talk about it. And I use that now in my business because I have like a, I have a coaching program for for woodworkers, um, you know, where I'm helping them get from their garage to you know growing six figure plus businesses, and the only way I feel comfortable or that I can truly teach them to do anything is if I do it myself first. Um, so like, I'm the guy that's, you know, I, you're, you're totally right, Tim. I can't be out here squawking in your ear about getting in trouble and going to class if I'm not going to class, uh, you know, if I'm not getting good grades, if I'm not on the all academic team, if I'm not doing the right things um, on my own. Uh, and so I think that was just a natural thing for me. I got super lucky with the group of guys I grew up with uh at Franklin that like <clears throat> these dudes are just super smart for the most part a lot of them. Uh you know, like I was saying, Brad, Brad went to Northwestern, uh, Aaron went to Cornell. Robbie was also uh an AP student who he ended up playing at Cincinnati. Um I was the dumbest of the three of us, four of us to go play to big schools. Um as far and but I graduated with like I don't know, I think I had it so this was only when the SAT was two parts. I took it my sophomore year. I had a 1090 and a 37 GPA. I was like Pitt's most highly regarded, uh, <laughs> F4, right? And they were like, "Holy crap, this this kid's brilliant." Uh, but my boys are grad. They're getting 1450s on their SAT and graduated with four fours. And I'm like, I'm an idiot. So like, I act. I had this natural inclination to want to be on their level from high school. So I was, you know, I was taking AP physics and calc and all kinds of high level classes in high school. Um, and when I got to college, I was like, wait, this isn't the norm. You know, and these dudes are like taking basket weaving and, and, and dance classes and stuff. And I'm like, why are you slacking off? Like we've only got a, you know, it's a short window here. Um, so it, it, it was, I think I was groomed through it to answer your question, Tim. It wasn't necessarily a natural thing. It was something where like, we all cared growing up at a young age and comically, I'll go back to this. This was super funny. Uh, I know you're, I know you're close with, um, with Pratt, with Terrell, um, in midget football, we played Jeanette in the the midget football championship literally every year. So every other year that he was up playing my age group, we played them in the championship for the, whatever, four years, I was a midgets or something like that. So, when we got to high school, we won the state championship in triple A. They won the state championship in uh, I think single A uh, where he was at there. Um, And we like truly cared about one another from literally like whatever young age we got started playing me and these guys. Um, And then it's funny how it carried with us. And a bunch of us went on to do things after high school and then into college uh with athletics. And, and so like that kind of mindset and culture and, and, and uh in group ethos uh was something that i think was just more uh, it was groomed and ingrained into what i did and i knew that you know my skills and now i know back not cuz i can reflect on things with more experience that my skill set only allows me to do certain things um but i was never like a rah-rah motivator i was never i was just like you know the guy that i was put in the work and i was performing on the field and off the field and the guys that wanted to come do the you know be on my level had to keep they were playing catch up yeah. um and so it's 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 it started you know in midget football and we were good we, like we we won championships all the way up through uh high school and then took it to pit you know gave it a run at the big east two years in a row um and then you know i, I try to keep that same kind of mentality going into my professional life and the short stint i had in the nfl
1: they think i think uh what you mentioned before, like you don't really know how good you are growing up. Whenever we were younger, because we didn't have the social media and stuff yeah. like that, so so all you know is to go and compete. So when you're playing Jeanette every year in the in the midget football championship, like all you know is how good you guys are we, and how good Jeanette he is. Good, yeah, yeah, you knew <laughs> Terrell was good, right? But but it made you step up your level. Like, yeah. hey, I have to play better because I have to beat Terrell prior. You got to beat Jeanette. And you, yeah, yeah, and you got to beat Jeanette, right? And all we that carries what, over. was like
0: the beginning of midget football camp. Like we played you guys too. Like, don't get me wrong. Yeah, like, we were right. like, we got to beat Jeanette. Like right. that was like, that was like the bullseye. Um, right. Yeah. And, and you're right. You don't have all that, you know, you don't have all that information like you do now with, with social and stuff.
1: Yeah. You're yeah. I mean, today you're one, you're one click away from either being in the best mood or being in the worst mood because you're comparing yourself to something else. You know, it's always, always that one click on Twitter and that first tweet that says, you know, this other kid down the street got his 86 offer. Now you start feeling like shit about yourself. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not as good as him. So yeah, it's a completely, you know, different world and in, in what we're talking about back when we were younger. So let's move on. So you're going, uh, finishing up at Pitt. Did you know the NFL was like a realistic thing? Did you have a feeling, you know, of potentially getting drafted? What, how did, uh, that whole transition go from college into the pros?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, uh, my, my transit, it was, it was interesting to say the least, at least from my standpoint. Um, so I was only, I was a four-year uh, player, right? I was a four-year letterman. I played two years on defense where I lettered. I was a co-starter my sophomore year. Um, they brought in a new O-line coach my junior year and gave me the starting position to lose. So I moved over to playing guard. Um, and in college, I you know, I'm six, six, two and a half, six, three on a good day. Um, and weighed uh, two, two 280, And in college, so small for a guard, right? Uh, I knew that I was out of position if I wanted to make a run at the NFL. So my senior year, I was playing a lot of center as backup. Dude, the year before uh, CJ Davis was a, he was a guard from West A. Um, Our starting center went down. CJ stepped in from guard to center and that helped him. He ended up going to play, I think four or five years in the NFL um, as a center, Uh, so i knew i was gonna have to have those skills um to get there and i was going to be an underdog going into senior year um after senior year when awards came out and i was first team all conference and stuff uh you know a lot more agents and stuff started calling i ended up i signed with a guy um his name is bill Paris. he was he was uh (laughs) james harrison's agent um but like a local dude really loves um like the middle tier uh draft pick undrafted kind of players um and it was like really specialized in that. Uh, I didn't really see draft being drafted as being a thing just because every scout and every, you know, agent was like, look, you're small, you're undersized, you got to play center, you got to be ready to play center, you know, make sure you're prepared, blah, 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 all this stuff. Um, and that was like, you know, I, I signed with my agent and that was kind of like the mentality, my senior season. Um, when we got done, I just started trying to put on some weight, train for pro day and stuff. And and that's not really where I shined playing football. Like I wasn't a tester. Um, I, I was fat. I was, I'll say this. I was fast for an offensive lineman. Um, but I wasn't like, you know, jumping through the roof or I wasn't, uh, you know, bench pressing a million pounds, uh, or squatting and stuff like that. I wasn't like crazy strong in the weight room. I was above average, but that was like at best when you get the guys that are my size, that put in careers like AQ going back to him, you know, dude could you know, squat a tank and, and bench a car. Like he was a monster <laughs> in weight room. Uh, could dunk a basketball. And he's like six foot tall, won the Remington playing center at Penn State. And so he had, you know, things that overshadowed the fact he's only six foot tall Um, and and put together an insanely successful career uh, with that, with that tool set. I knew it was going to be a long shot for me. Um, And so I I kind of had that like underdog chip on my shoulder mentality. And I just, I just trained as hard as I could. I think uh, there was some you know, once that ended up getting released after my rookie season, buddy Morris was then looking for a job. So Scott and I actually trained with him, um, one-on-one that those next two, two or three off seasons, um, because he was between jobs, uh, which was super interesting and different. Um, I think that gave me a little bit of an edge when I went to training camps and I'm running circles around these guys. Um, you know, cause on film that stands out if I'm 80, 82 yards downfield blocking some guy, uh, on the drive, you know, that that's, that's the kind of stuff that coaches liked in me because I didn't have the other intangibles. Uh, So it was always a long shot mentality. Uh, And I think when you get to the NFL, going back to it, a lot of people don't realize unless you're a top couple round pick and you have great size, you know, your coach does matter. The system you get into does matter a ton. Um, You can even be a top tier guy. uh, And if the coaches aren't bought into, you know, your skill set and who you are, it's going to be hard for you to fight that uphill battle. And um, I got really lucky with the Steelers with their line coach, Sean Coogler for a couple of years um, before they released me they switched their line coach. I got cut. you know, guy didn't like Yeah. So
1: yeah. Did you kind of know, like it was, that was the end, like when, when, cause you bounced around different places. I remember a story uh, talking about how, you know, you got cut before training camp even started cause they needed a running back or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I remember that being a, that being a thing, but, the the final time that you got cut, did you kind of know that was the end of your career or was it going to be like, Hey, I'm going to keep pushing at this. Or was it kind of like, I got to find something else to do
0: now. That was the gut shot. Like we didn't see that one coming at all. Um, I was on the active roster the season before. um, And I was uh, Ligurski, Doug Ligursky, and I were the two swing interior guys on the Steelers. And I think that was a 2012 season. Um, Doug took a, he took a, took a job with the bills. Uh, So he went up there to play for Buffalo. So it was just me. I was the only veteran backup on the team. They brought in a couple other guys in the off season. Um, And then we brought in a new line coach. I was your, like all of training camp, all of summer, every, like I was, it was me. It was the minute Ben came off the field, I went in the game. So I took more snaps during training camp than any other player on the team that year. Um, And I also graded out higher than any other offensive lineman because I took so many snaps. it it was a numbers game ended up working in my favor uh supposedly this these are things i was told by the newspapers i'm not paying attention to any of that while i'm playing um so i didn't see it coming it was like you know i was there um for those of you that aren't familiar in the nfl uh the last thursday uh of of preseason um is like the backups opportunity to go earn a job so they actually uh, I'm, I'm playing in that game. Ben didn't touch the field. So I was, I was in with, uh, with Gino, uh, Greg Kowski for the full, whole first half. Um, <clears throat> another Toledo guy for you. He, uh, I come off the, f- he comes off the field. I played another series or two at guard. Um, and then they took me off the field. And I was like, Oh, they wanted to get some of these young guys, more reps. Um, that was a weird, that was a weird preseason. Cause Gino, he was taking a lot of steps, a lot of snaps. Um, and so, we go home. I don't get it. Every, every other Friday, I've gotten a call. Every, every other season, I've been in the league. It's my fourth year um, and gotten cut, right? And then I've been cleared waivers, got signed back to practice squad on on Sunday. Um, didn't get a call Friday. Didn't get a call Saturday. And then I don't know if you were there, but I was out with a bunch of hooligans uh, that, that you and I are friends with they like drug me out. Cause I'm just at this point, like a ball of anxiety. I know you have to be on that roster on Tuesday at 4. PM. Like that's the only thing that matters. Nothing else matters, but I've got, you know, I'm the local guy who went to pit. Uh, I'm finally getting my shot to make an opening day roster. And the newspapers are calling the TV stations are calling. Uh, They're literally like beating my ear in. And then <clears throat> they were, they're releasing rosters with my name on it. And like, you know what are you going to do when that's your entire external influence so like everyone's just super stoked that they think I made the team um and we're all out and I'm talking like there's staff and stuff that's like calling to congratulate Sunday I go home I'm at my parents house um having dinner my dad and I actually went out to like the, the local Gander Mountain to go pistol shopping because I told him if I made the opening day roster I'd buy him I'd buy <laughs> a buy with Colt 45s um so we're just we're just kind of out like getting our headspace, and it's no shit, like seven thirty p.m. and Colbert calls. I get the random number on my phone, and it and like I'm even feeling it now talking about it. Like, yeah, it's, it's like that. You don't want that random number showing up on your phone when you're in the NFL. Like that's that's it. When you get that call, um, and he they ended up signing a dude His name was Cody Wallace. He was a, <laughs> I think he was like a third round pick or something for the for the Niners. I actually had more game experience than him. They claimed he was more experienced. I was a bigger body guy, uh, Jack the new O line coach there didn't really <clears throat> he didn't care for anyone he just kind of came in was filling in for Kugler um didn't go to bat for me really but so you know they ended up releasing me. Um I went to Kansas City, took a tryout that Thursday. Um they were like yeah you know they were good um they didn't need anyone but they were like we'll keep you in mind. Uh the I think it was like two weeks later my agent called him. was like you uh Philly wants you to come in for a workout um and I was like I'm done. Like, that was yeah. it. That was like my heart was gone. Um, the only reason, I always say this to everyone, the only reason I was ever good at football is because I just really, really loved it. Um, I didn't have any crazy skill set. I didn't have any crazy, like, like, I don't think, you know, God really gifted me with any athleticism that nobody else has. Um, I just love to play the game. Uh, I love the ins and outs of the game. Um, and I prioritized it, I think, more than a lot of people do, uh, you know, for a long period of my life. <clears throat> and that's what made me good. My heart wasn't in it anymore, and I told him I was like, I'm done. I don't want to play for Philly. I played for the Steelers. I was like, that's all I wanted to do. Um, and I think that's it, you know, because uh, I got friends that have been chasing practice. They've been going to training camps. They went three, four, five, six years after they got the, cut that last time. And I had no practice squad eligibility left, so it was either show up and make the roster or don't. And uh, it really felt for me that, like, that was just the end of it. So I hung up and uh, didn't realize it at the time, but that was the last time I ever played.
1: That's so crazy. I mean, that story is insane. Just, again, I I had that feeling, just you talking about getting that random phone call that never showing up
0: and, you know, that. You you want to hear some, here's some ice for you to wrap the show, is (laughs) that season, so they go into week one. They call an outside zone. They're playing a team that ran an under front uh, and they're calling a week, it was a week side. I can't remember what the literal name of the, the play call was, but they're running a week side inside zone. Um, so the Castro has to cut off, uh, a, a, a two eye technique. Uh, then this guy's pretty much a head up nose guard. He takes his drop step and just launches to cut him blows out pounces right knee. If you guys recall, literally third series of the first game of the season. I am the only person in the country that knows the Steelers offense that can come in and fit into the vacancy now because pouncey's done for the year like he does it. it was acl MCL. like i remember dave felt terrible um they just brought in this new dude who didn't know the offense right so their backup that they they cut me now no one knows the this kid doesn't know the offense at all they're going to bring him in instead they end up in go they <laughs> my agent calls they're like well john's ready to go like you know he'll be there in 20 minutes kind of like the first time when the dude walked off the field and I just got cut by the bucks and I was just happened to be in Pittsburgh and could be there in 20 minutes that's how I made the team in the first place Um, and and pretty much Tomlin was like ship sailed on John kind of thing and uh, and, uh, that was it so I'm like I remember just I was sitting at my girlfriend's house at the time and I was just like wow like it, it like it never really feels over when you're still like in that phase like you're like oh a call could always come but yeah, that call happened on Monday. They were like, you're done. And then that's why I went and took a tryout and kind of that other stuff. Go figure. Then they brought in this dude, Fernando Velasco, who I played with, with the Titans. Awesome dude. Really nice. Good player. Great backup. He was around for a long time. Um, he gets hurt in week five <laughs> and Cody ends up having to start half. A- so they get, I think that was besides what's looking like this year, their worst season, um, and like the last 15, uh, And then I believe they went eight and eight, maybe. Yeah. They went eight and eight that year. Um, Everyone was just beat up that season. Yeah. So last thing, again, thanks for taking
1: a little, a little longer with us, but last thing, so it's probably one of the lowest of your lows in your football career, you know, Mm. just kind of knowing that it's the end. Um, Talk about the transition from that feeling to where you are today how did you kind of pull yourself up and say listen I got to get back to what I did my entire life and I have to now do something and put that energy towards something that is gonna you know make me successful today
0: yeah um I mean I've I've said it a few times like you only know what you know right you think you know more than that at some points in your life but even as adults now we can also of go we only know what, what our experiences have giving us the opportunity to know. And what I knew at that moment was I didn't want anyone else controlling my destiny. Um, I didn't want to be an employee. I didn't want somebody else to be able to cut me. Uh, That feeling was just, I I mean, I got cut 13 times in my four years in the league, played for five different teams. I was on planes and flying all around the country, uh, you know, back and forth, driving from Tennessee to Cleveland, back to Pittsburgh to Cleveland, to Tampa. Like it was, I had a wild ride and I'm super grateful for it. But I knew at the end, I didn't want anyone else controlling my destiny. And that was my biggest takeaway from the entire experience. So I just went back to kind of what I knew. And that was to put my hand in the dirt and go to work. I didn't know what the work was going to be. I didn't know where it was going to take me. I just knew um, the formula that got me to anywhere when I was at Pitt and playing in the NFL was like, First guy in, last guy to leave, I knew the playbook in and out better than the coaches knew it. Um, I was able to, you know, just be as smart and intelligent as I possibly could in as many facets as I could, have as many skill sets as I could possibly have, and then just keep putting in the work. And uh, you'll see something, things will start to pop up, opportunities will start to pop up um, over time. Um, And you'll kind of just make these small pivots and and turns through your journey. But it all kind of starts with just putting on those blinders, blocking out the distractions, uh, believing in yourself and putting in the work. Um, For me, that pivotal, that turning point was not wanting to work for someone else. So I started out um, just kind of figuring out what I was going to do for me, uh, eliminating people. Some of them I didn't think at the time were smart, but eliminating people who didn't believe that I thought in me and what I thought I could do on my own. Um, And that's going to, you know... Uh, you'll, you'll learn that in life too, as you get older, anyone listening, uh, you know, toxic relationships don't, don't, don't bode well, uh, long-term. Um, and so sort of you know, just kind of cut the fat, putting it all on me and knowing that at least I can control my own efforts and mindset and stuff as I move forward. And that's sort of what I, uh, that's what I took away from, from bouncing around the NFL for four years and getting my, getting my ass kicked. <laughs> Hey, man, this has been incredible. You know, uh, thank you so much for
1: taking the time to do this. We know you're a busy guy and I uh, have so much going on. Where can we find you on social media? Someone listening wants to to follow yeah. along. Where can we find you?
0: Um, you can find me, you can put my name in John Malecki. Um, I'm on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Facebook. Um, we didn't really dive into it. And, I, and I'd love to come back on and go more. into. Yeah, we got
1: to get you back on, man. Uh, we could um, get into so many different topics.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, but I'm a, more or less a, an influencer now in the in the maker space. So I build and sell custom furniture. I'm a custom furniture company. Uh, but we make cool stuff and I make content about it. Um, so if you look me up, that's what you're going to see me doing. Um, and then I like to hop on calls like this. And, and, you know, my buddy Ramon Foster, I was just on his show a couple weeks ago. Still love talking football. was a huge part of my life. I don't hold any animosity towards it. Uh, it's, it's helped me become the man I am today. And I'd love, I love shining a bright light on uh, the great parts of it and what you can learn from it. Like you guys are doing with your mentorship program and trying to help younger people who are looking to uh, chase the dream like we all did um, and continue to allow it to create positivity and the potential for the future um, and so it's been a true honor and a blessing to be on here. I really appreciate you guys having me.
1: It's awesome, man. Yeah.
0: Thanks so much again. Yeah. we we'll, we have to get you back
1: on. I'd, I'd love to hear more about, uh, the business and everything. I mean, what yeah. you're doing is so awesome. It's so, uh, just different, you know, and you're just creating, creating this brand for yourself and, yeah. and, uh, creating a life for yourself. Obviously you're a, you're a new dad as well. And, uh, yeah have a, have another one on the way. I don't know if you officially announce it or if I announced we haven't, it for but you. you can be the first. But <laughs> it doesn't
0: come out for a while. So we're in the Yeah, case. this
1: this will come out for a couple of weeks. But uh <laughs> but yeah, man. Th- thanks again so much for coming on. We appreciate it. And uh that's it. I appreciate mm-hmm. you man. Thanks. Yeah, yeah.
0: Thank you,
2: Fellas. Thanks, man. Great to meet you. Uh have a good one.
1: Really hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Please make sure to like, rate, subscribe. Also head over to our social media pages at Identity Impact. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. Check us out over there. Shoot us a message. Tell us what you love, what you don't love. Maybe even shoot us a message with some ideas of who you would want to hear us interview and who you would want to hear us talk to. Uh, thanks again so much for listening in. We'll see you guys next time on the Identity Impact Podcast. these are all facts. way more to you than just scores and stats. And when you need a reminder of that, with Identity